Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Seeking Stories podcast. I'm here today with a good friend, Mr. Donald Small, who Hi. is uh, a lover of stories and a lover of all things superhero. Mm-hmm. And uh, Donald and I today are going to be talking about um, Iron Man 2. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. <laughs> Spoiler alert, you know what our thoughts are on it now, so yeah. you can just turn it off or keep, keep listening. <laughs> Please keep listening. Um, so for those of you who haven't been aware of Marvel over the last few years, it is the third movie of the cinematic universe welcome to 2018 everybody (laughs) hopefully this is 2018 for you or maybe this is like 90 years in the future and there's like 312 marvel movies now and this is like i was thinking you were gonna like say 312 podcast episodes (laughs) i'd be like yeah that would be awesome that'd be great either one of those (laughs) so you can either go listen to 300 episodes of the podcast or 300 marvel movies whatever something like that yeah yeah Anyway, so today we're going to be talking about um, the different story elements that we that worked and didn't work um, for Iron Man 2, mm. and I'll let you jump into, into it, Donald, to, to open us up. Well, you know, the thing about the Marvel movies, you always have something that's going to go ahead and pull you in, um, whether it's a team-up where you get to see all of the different Marvel movies, to get Marvel superheroes together, um, or for Ultron, um, James Spader, family, yeah. big fan of James Spader. Um, yeah, and or the character of the superhero itself. You see, uh, with the Hulk, you see the struggle that Bruce Banner has, mm-hmm. and that pulls me. And Spider-Man is always one where he's more of a tragic hero, and I I enjoy that. And you see, actually, some of that with Captain America as Absolutely. well, um, as he comes and he's developed. Um, but there's not always in the cocky hero, the kind of sort of anti-hero, and that's where you get with right. Tony Stark. And you actually got with Doctor Strange as well. Mm-hmm. Like Doctor Strange was kind of like Iron Man one all over again, pretty much just is. with magic, yeah. which was which was pretty freaking cool. Um, but it's this one, like it wasn't the same. It's like the subtitle is how many people can Tony Stark anger mm-hmm. in this period of two hours? <laughs> right. That was like the subtitle. I'm like going. This, this doesn't... There's nothing about the character that pulls me in. There's nothing about the villain that pulls me in. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing about the movie that pulls me in. You know, there's a lot of good elements that I like about it. Right. And I just think if you rearrange these elements, I really thought it could have been a really good movie. But... I, I, don't, I don't know. We had we were talking about it earlier. So, what were your first initial takeaways rewatching the movie? Well, my my initial takeaways. So I haven't seen the movie since before the first Avengers came out. Mm-hmm. When Kristen hadn't seen it, I said, "Well, we got to watch them in order before we go see Avengers." Oh, so absolutely. Like yeah. Four or five in the movie. So it's been goodness since 2012, so six years for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just finished watching it just now, and my thought was just kind of like what you were saying. There's no cohesion to it at all. You know, it's not a cohesive story. There's all these different elements. There's Tony Stark dealing with his. Um, you know uh, his health issues as he's dying. There's you know Justin Hammer and that whole bit. There's the U.S. Army and military trying to you know take control of the the weapon, which fades away really quick. You mm-hmm. know there's that doesn't carry through. There's the the Whiplash character Ivan Vanko, I think his name is, yes. mm-hmm. who is you know arguably, I guess the biggest antagonist in the movie, but he's still Tony Stark doesn't even really care about him in a way. No, he doesn't really come into play until the very very end. I mean right. they have the battle early in the movie. But after that, Tony just assumes that he's gone, dead, whatever. Right. There's um, this big struggle between the two. That's how the movie opens up. You see, you know, the big opening credit sequence of, you know, Ivan's father dying and then, you know, him assembling, you know, a mystery tech which resembles Iron Man tech. Like, oh, this is going to be, you know, a big power struggle between the two of them. Well, you know, here's the funny thing is, here's what I didn't like about the character because they made him into this brute and he was supposed to be this smart like scientist and he it only seems to be useful to him Mm -hmm. when the story calls for it but not developing and the funny thing is i actually just read an article about this Mm -hmm. the uh actor that plays him mickey rourke didn't he said he wanted to add layers to it and apparently the different scenes where he did that they actually cut really where mickey rourke will not talk nice about marvel at (laughs) all um and you know it's kind of a shame because i would have liked to have seen you know, something where it was two minds being pitted against each mm-hmm. other, you know, because you how many times do you see that where it's going to be Tony's mind versus um, versus the another brilliant mind? Because you don't get that in Iron Man 3. Don't get me wrong. I love Iron Man mm-hmm. 3. You don't get that in Iron Man 1 necessarily. It's right. more of just the struggle of survival. Um, but to go ahead and see 
those two things being pitted against you. I guess the most you see that is in actually the latest Avengers movie, right? Because he's pitted against Thanos in a way, yeah. Um, and and that's that's really super interesting, you know, because he has a conflict. And the the funny thing is they touched on there's a tragedy to Tony Stark because. You know, he, he has a hard time connecting with people. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a hard time depending on people. So he's very much a loner. Um, and he basically copes with that by pushing people away. He doesn't want to trust. He has hard times with that. But the thing that I, I just didn't like about it was you have this man who is dying and he acts out because he's dying. But he doesn't do a whole lot about... And, and my apologies to I, I I don't mean this to be offensive but you keep seeing him prick his finger he just seems like a really cocky sad diabetic yeah. and it's like but you're freaking Tony Stark right you can do so much more well in every good story you know the, the the protagonist the main character is the one who drives the narrative drives the story forward yeah and he Tony Stark doesn't do that at all you know the first literally the first half of the movie until he ends up really in the middle of that donut yeah he's just kind of you know oh what was me kind of like you said Donald angry anger people you know prick his finger all that yeah but he doesn't take any steps to resolve it other than, than just whine and moan and say oh I haven't been able to figure anything out and that just is where I think in my mind where the story starts crumbling right from the beginning because you know if you think of like the Captain America movies you know Cap is like at the center of the action center of the struggle mm-hmm. he's going for you know to solve whatever mission needs to be done to take care of the bad guys solve his own conflicts and even in the first Iron Man movie that's what happened he, mm-hmm. Tony Stark was about you know saving himself you know then re, um, kind of switching his uh, focus of his company mm-hmm. defeating the villain it was so focused and then this movie, there just wasn't a focus there. And I think that's why we're kind of all twiddling our thumbs, especially for the first half. Well, can I make a comparison to Iron Man 3? Mm-hmm. Because you have something, again, to where you don't have a great villain. Like, when people heard about the Mandarin, right. like, who loved the comics, they were expecting, the you know, the, the, <laughs> the Mandarin. For those of you who don't know, he wields this mystic power. He's not some actor behind the screen. It's not like Ben Kingsley going ahead and pretending. Was it you Trevor know? or something like that? Yeah, like <laughs> Trevor. Exactly. Um, and so that's what the expectation was, and we, d- we didn't get that. But So mm-hmm. you have a villain that lets you down, but we also have Tony Stark. Remember, he suffers a conflict in that movie as well because right. he's dealing with PTSD. Mm-hmm. Um, and the struggle seems like the whole movie for Iron Man 3 seems to be so much about he's still struggling with his relationship with Pepper, right. relationship to where he is with the Iron Man suit, what to do about this PTSD that's literally eating away at his mind, mm-hmm. you know? And then he goes, he does antagonize the antagonize <laughs> the villain, you know? And to a certain extent, he kind of causes the villain, kind of what you see here mm-hmm. is because of his family, that this, this villain exists in Iron Man 2. But I look at Iron Man 3 and Iron Man 2, and you give me a choice, I'll choose Iron Man 3 to watch because the narrative mm-hmm. is built so much better and Tony Stark isn't acting like a like he's cocky. You can't take that away from the right, character. Right, that's always what his character is going to be. Yeah, exactly. But he, it's not like literally I'm going to alienate the entire audience type cocky. Right. You compare that to like the first Avengers movie where he's still you know cocky, but you know he plays the character plays well, not in the sense of you know cooperating, but you know against you know Bruce Banner and um, Steve Rogers. Mm-hmm. The the characters are pitted against each other in a good way, where it's all towards one solving one conflict, solving you know against you. Know, fighting Loki, how are we going to defeat Loki? And they butt heads, yeah. you know, as they should, as, as in all good stories, mm-hmm. but there isn't this extreme annoyance of, okay, when he's just going to shut up and, mm-hmm. you know, man up in a way. Yeah, exactly. And it, and that's what, I mean, that's why I like so much more about Iron Man 3 and the other other Marvel movies. There's there's Each one of them has something that I like about this one, but this one is one, it's a lot of similar to what I took away from, like, Ant-Man 2. That one I just saw. I know. I know you still haven't seen it yet. Um, But it was just not. It was just not as. It didn't capture that same magic Mm -hmm. type thing. It had all the same characters in it. But it was like so. You put. You put all the just because you throw all of these things in together doesn't mean it's going to be a good movie. And honestly, Justin Hammer as as a as an antagonist, I just. He reminds me of, like, the teenager who's dressed up in a hot dog suit, like, twirling <laughs> the sign outside the right. front of the restaurant. You're going, you are not... He, like, they actually have a scene in the movie, if you haven't seen it, where he tries to be threatening to the other antagonist, and he takes these things, he's like, I took your stuff, how do you like it? Blah, 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 Yeah, and you're just like, ha, 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 ha
because <laughs> he seems like it's just a petulant teenager, you know, and that's the way he comes off the entire thing. Right. He's essentially they want to make him part like there's like you're important to the plot, but he's only as a plot device. He's exactly. not actually. He's he's like like there's people in the theater who probably saw this and like. I could take him and I would be okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, he, he's just not a real antagonist in the sense that, you know, even though he is a villainous character, he poses no threat to Tony Stark at all throughout the entire movie. Yeah. And it, it suffers, I think the whole movie suffers a little bit from Spider Man 3's, you know, downfall is just too many antagonists. They know what to do with them. Mm-hmm. You know, in this movie, the same thing. You know, there's Justin Hammer, there's there's Ivan, there's, um, you know, Tony Stark's whole, the little, is it Palladium, the core? Yeah. Yeah, that's, you know, an antagonistic element. And mm-hmm. they're all there, but they just don't, they're not cohesive. They don't work well together. It's like, okay, which story am I following here and all that? Yeah. And it's, it, there's, like, literally, there's, there's, there's multiple stories. And for some reason, they, they just, they couldn't choose one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I don't know. Like, there was... And the funny thing is about Marvel movies, usually they're fairly well written because mm-hmm. there's lines that you remember that you take away. Exactly. And actually there were lines in here that we both enjoyed. We're like, that's <laughs> actually was a really, really good line. Right. Um, but usually the main character gets the majority of the line, mm-hmm. the good lines. Right. And Tony had Robert Downey Jr. Downey Jr. only had one good line. <laughs> yeah. And everyone else had, you know, pretty decent lines. But for the most part, you're... You know, it's funny, you, in, a, in a movie theater, mm-hmm. you watch the movie in silence, because you, you'd be respectful, but when you watch right. it in your home, especially when you've seen the movie before, you usually talk during the movie, and obviously we were paying attention because we knew we were going to do this afterwards, mm-hmm. but, you know, we didn't talk a whole lot during the movie, because there's just not there's going to talk on. About. Yeah. yeah. I made fun of it a couple of <laughs> times, but it was just like... Are we done yet? Is this over? <laughs> right. Well, especially when you get to the end, it's such a rehash of the first Iron Man in the sense he's just fighting someone who has a suit again, mm-hmm. and it's like we've we've seen this before. You know what's what's going to be different with it, and it just really it really isn't. It's not really imaginative or, or unique at all. Mm-hmm. Which thankfully the other Marvel movies pretty much rectified. You know, there's you know Loki's a fantastic villain, Thanos is a great villain. There's some other ones that aren't as great as them, but yeah. there's villains that you know are, are world threatening and have personality that, you know, make a good conflict and it just wasn't here. Well, you want a villain either A, you despise, mm-hmm. or B, that you sympathize with. Right. That you want more of. And neither Hammer nor, nor Ivan do in, do either of those. Exactly. They're just, they just exist in the movie, right. sadly. And, you know, in this particular story, if, you know, if, if Hammer succeeds, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, <laughs> Expo blows up. Yeah. It's like, Sad, but whoop de doo in a way. Yeah, exactly. It's you know, it's not you know, it's not Avengers. It's not you know, any of the other movies where you know, yes, innocent people could have died, but at that point they already cleared out the whole expo. So it's like, okay, what's what's the purpose of this this fight in yeah. a way? And there just wasn't stakes. Yeah, and the funny thing is about Marvel movies. Generally, you don't care about the populace because you forget all about them because you go you focus on the heroes, right? Type thing. So people are collateral eyes. damage, sadly. Um, but that's the way it is. Yeah, that's true. And that's kind of how that was. Uh, was it Man of Steel's big um, yeah uh, reaction? It's like all oh, those people. <laughs> Oops, sorry. Which I guess Batman vs Superman did play, you know, to that. You know, what what happens when these world, you know, catastrophic things happen? Yeah. But again, there just wasn't a need for it in this movie because we just didn't care in mm-hmm. a way. Yeah. Well, what else did you what else did you think in, in going through here? Well, the one thing I know we've kind of been breaking it apart saying we didn't like. The one thing I kind of did like in the movie is how it set up the elements of the Marvel Cinematic Universe or the Marvel Multiverse, however you want to yeah. call it. Because at that point, you know, you had seen, you know, of course, you know, the end of Iron Man one at the end of the credits, you had seen, you know, Nick Fury, uh, Nick Fury come out, and then in same thing with Incredible Hulk, where mm-hmm. saw Tony Stark come in. Um, but I think at that time, you know, I think back to when those movies first came out, we're like, is this really going to happen? Are they just teasing things that they're never going to, you know, you know, fulfill in a way? Yeah. And this was the first time that we started seeing all these elements come together. And it, within Iron Man 2, they didn't really work because it was just kind of like, what are they doing? But mm-hmm. looking back now, it's like, it's it's cool to see, you know, Agent Romanoff come in and Nick Fury come in and the illusions that they make to what's going to happen in the future. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, it set, it set up something that just hadn't been done in, in, in movies at all at that point. And honestly, the whole thing, because people have said, I've seen it where there's too many too many actors, there's too many players in there. They, you know, I've seen people say this, this movie suffers from trying to introduce other elements. And I actually thought, 
because um, actually what I'd like to do once we kind of get through this is mm-hmm. if we were to fix it, right. how, do we, how do we fix it? How much major surgery do we do on this movie to make it better? But I would have to think if you made the main the main drive of the story mm-hmm. was Tony's life or death struggle. Right. You know, then that, the Nick Fury, uh, Agent Romanoff, Black Widow, mm-hmm. uh, Agent Coulson, that plays a lot better into it because they come in and, and you know, it's, it's a Marvel movie, so of course there's an ex machina to where it's like, oh, look, everything's better. Or at <laughs> right. least they give you the keys to go ahead and do that like they do in this movie. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really have a problem with that. And I like seeing the characters interact. Right. Actually, one of the things I enjoyed about the movie, and it didn't have to be like stick out type thing. It's like, oh, we're here to go ahead and give some exposition and give you this tool and then right. we're going to be gone. Like, th- it could have been done better to where the story set up better for that and it wouldn't mm-hmm. have been as awkward. I don't think it was super awkward to begin with, but, right. you know, it could have been a lot more seamless. They definitely perfected it later on, whereas now, like, in future Marvel movies, you know, current ones, you know, 2016, 17, 18, all that, we expect, you know, little yeah. cameos in a way because they fulfill parts of the story. We know these characters, we love them, they come and do their bit, mm-hmm. and then they, they leave, and that's okay. It's an expectation. You know, you think of... Um, in Ant-Man when um, the Falcon shows up. Yeah. You know, it's, you know it, it helps the story. And mm-hmm. I think at this point it just has some growing pains because no one had ever done that before, really. Yeah, there was still a very a whole lot of world building going on. I mean, this is the first movie that you have Black Widow in it. Mm-hmm. And the sad thing is, is that you see that five minutes of Black Widow when she infiltrates Hammer Industries. And you right. go, that could be a trailer for a Black Widow movie. And I would totally watch that movie because she's so cool in that movie. Um... And we still don't have a block. I think that I think there may be one announced or that they're thinking about doing one. But one rumored. Would totally watch that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not because she's a cute redhead, but because she's a superhero that kicks total amounts of butt. Mm-hmm. So, right. like, she's like she makes it seem seamless that what she does, type thing. I mean, even kind of um, Tony. Uh, in the movie kind of comments like how do you do that how do you say <laughs> like you know she you, you get to see other parts other parts of her as well and i think that's really that's really awesome right and we say with agent colson in a way he comes into his own into the avengers and it's so sad they killed him off which was the right choice for the movie yeah but you see him develop as well and yeah. that's the great thing about the cinematic universe for marvel now all these characters are so well developed and have so such great backstories and struggles that when they they do pop up we know where they are you know emotionally or whatever they're dealing with so they add layers to themselves as well as well as the movie that they're infiltrating really yeah i mean the colson pops back up in agents of shield right so it's not like he dies but the thing is you kind of grow to love him in the movies you do you really do he's such an endearing character Mm -hmm. and again it's a shame they killed him off in avengers even though again it was part of the story made the story work had to do it had to make them get all weepy and say okay we're gonna work together (laughs) now it worked though um and on that note too it's interesting seeing um senator stern in this movie who you find out later is part of hydra yeah you know and that just kind of iron man 2 is more fun to look back on because you see all these elements that you know he's just an annoying jerk of a senator in this movie mm-hmm. and looking back and seeing oh wow well he's actually a villain yeah so this actually makes a lot more sense now yeah you know i don't know if that was a plan when they made iron man 2 but they definitely capitalized well, on that the, the funny thing is that when you can leave things open-ended then you right. can utilize that and you know what the last person i expected to appear in a movie was the late Gary Shandling, mm-hmm. you know, because he'd been comedian for, you know, that's what he was known as. And to see him show up as a senator, you're like, oh, wow. So that's, and he was actually, he did his part really well. Yeah. Um, to where when he, you see him uh, in Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. it's totally, you go, no, that's the same character. He's yeah. not, doesn't, he doesn't have to change his character at all. And exactly. it does develop the character. so And I think that's really, really good. Right. It's just too bad Iron Man 2 couldn't take advantage <laughs> yeah. of that. Well, and, and these movies are so good at just you know taking that one character that is just so throwaway and then making bigger later on. I forget who the character in Winter Soldier is. The character that Senator Stern is working with, the, the bald-headed guy. Oh, yeah. Um, but he shows up in the Avengers. He's on the brig of... Um, the, the ship they fly. Yeah. A couple, look, has like two throwaway lines and then he becomes something else and it's, they just, they have this web of characters that just weave so well together and it's so interconnected. Mm-hmm. And Iron Man 2, one of the few things it does well is it sets the seeds of that and sets yeah. them in motion. Yeah. So, but it does it apparently at the cost of the narrative, which is not great. It does. 
but it's interesting too to see how like you know i guess one of the, the themes of this movie and there's, there's not really a good theme that you know carries the story through but tony stark does talk about his legacy and hammer talks about legacy and i think legacy is part of the theme of the movie you know howard stark's legacy that helps tony stark develop Mm-hmm. Of his new um, element and all that. Yeah. Uh, but it'll be curious to see, and if you're listening to this in a year or so, you'll, you'll know the answer to this, but what happens exactly to Tony Stark in Avengers 4? Because, you know, Tony in this movie talks about his legacy and what's going to happen after him. You know, and who would have known that, you know, almost 10 years later, he would have been in nine movies and his legacy would have been a massive part of the, the world. Oh, yeah. So it really, whether intentionally or not, they're foreshadowing, you know, the end of Marvel Phase 3, which we'll see what happens with how that plays out yeah and it you know i mean it's it's true because you have him you know as part of the key part of the avengers you know mm-hmm. avengers tower was stark uh tower yeah uh he's part big part of the slavovia <laughs> accords i apologize for that um uh you see him obviously fight cap um you know there's a struggle between him and cap and the team mm-hmm. like it's you know, it's, it's, again, I don't mind Cap, um, excuse me, Tony being cocky, especially when it comes with Cap, because it immediately sets them at, odd, at odds, and it makes for, like, that tension, and it's really good. Exactly. Yeah. It's not like, hey, we all get along. It's not like the 70s comic book, where it's like, everything's great, let's go fight evil. It's like, no, you know, we have issues with each other. Right, there's type thing between Tony being annoying, and yeah. then characters accomplish each other for the sake of a greater goal yeah huge difference there and the funny thing is you see tony tony you know continually trying to compensate for things Mm -hmm. you know he's he tries to compensate for his father's legacy of war by being iron man Mm -hmm. you know he's he see him compensate for his dying by acting out and pushing people away right you see him um you know trying to compensate for you know um the the one young boy's death that he gets confronted with in the later Civil movies, War. Yeah. yeah. Um, you, you know, and building Ultron. Ultron is is him trying to compensate. Like we don't, mm. we shouldn't have to have the Avengers type thing. Right. He's always trying to to go ahead and kind of earn that mm. place type thing right. to where other people would just say, "Well, you're Iron Man, so what problems do you have?" Mm. Type thing, and I. I just don't think this movie did that as much. But the thing is, you didn't have as much background. But looking at the whole history of Iron Man, right. you really see that, you know, that compensation, you know, element to his character. Right. This movie definitely showed Tony Stark as someone who had struggles. It's just yeah. this movie showed him as someone who passively deals with his struggles, which does not make for a good story. You know what the funny thing is? In the comic book, he was an alcoholic. And I know right. you don't want to glorify alcoholism, and, and I no way want to do that. But I'm surprised that with the struggles that he was going for, mm-hmm. that they didn't incorporate that. Yes, he got drunk at his party, right. but, I mean, there's a lot of people who would not consider themselves alcoholics who got drunk at one party and did some stupid stuff. Now, thank God none of them have an Iron Man suit to <laughs> shoot things up with, but um, it's just that same thought of, I'm surprised that that wasn't a part of it type thing, especially when you see his father drinking mm-hmm. um, and get a little tipsy, you kind of gone, well, you could have developed that into something as how he was dealing with it because you could have, you know, he's struggling with life and death, he's pushing people away, he's drowning in alcoholism, he's in his lab all the time. Mm-hmm. There's this threat that comes... Okay, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself because now I'm trying to fix the story. I don't want to <laughs> fix the story yet. Um, let's talk about other stuff. What are, what are, the, what are the things that you are taking a look at? Well, one of the things that well, I kind of want to touch on one one last thing, just you know, see what happens in Avengers Four is that you know this movie uh, near the beginning, Tony calls Pepper a worthy successor. Yeah, and I really am interested to see how that line is going to play out. Once, well, remember she has powers comes. now. Right, right. But I'm thinking you know, of the legacy. Once you know, assuming that Tony Stark dies in Four, which we'll find out likely will happen, but we'll right. Marvel surprise us before, so we'll see. But I'm just, I'm wondering how if that line is going to foreshadow something else. It would. Take this, take this in the spirit that it said. It would be nice if he were some way disabled from using the Iron Man suit, right. but not dead, so he could settle down with Pepper and maybe be a mentor to another Iron Man. Because they have another Iron Man right now in the comics mm-hmm. who is uh, a young African-American girl. I think that would be a very interesting setup for the next phase, right. you know, to go ahead and, and do that. Or, you know, to maybe help Rhodey out 
Um, because while he while he may not be able to fight, he's still brilliant. Right. Yeah. So. And one of the things is one of the hardest things to do is kill off characters, but it's also kind of a, a cop out too for stories. I'm not saying the Marvel's going to cop out if they kill Iron Man at all, but it's often harder as a, a writer and a storyteller to figure out a way to close out a character without killing them and making Silky. Their story's wrapped up. Now it's time to transition to someone else, mm-hmm. but still keep his character alive and their legacy, you know, active. Oh yeah. So we'll we'll see what happens in yeah. less than a year then. Yay! <laughs> right, hopefully. Again, if you're listening to this in 2019. After May 2019, you'll, you'll know. Let us know. <laughs> um, one thing that, you know, for, you know, those who are studying storytelling, you know, this movie did do well, though, is every story has, you know, good stories have a, a midpoint. Even bad stories have a midpoint. A point in the story where the character realizes something. They either realize part of the truth that, you know, oh, crap, I've got this wrong, or mm-hmm. they just realize that, you know, oh, crap, you know, things are going really bad. The eureka moment, essentially. Exactly. And it usually happens almost dead center in the movie. And I, I looked at my my watch when um, this this scene happens almost dead in the movie. It's a scene in the in the donut shop, the coffee shop. Mm-hmm. And of all the things the movie does well from, or doesn't do well from a storytelling structure perspective, it does well here. Right in the middle of the movie, Tony comes to this moment where, you know, I need to change something. He's been dealing, you know, very badly with mm-hmm. all of his, you know, struggles but he hasn't done anything about it. In the midpoint of the movie, he says, okay, I have to do something about this now. Mm-hmm. And again, there's some of that, you know, uh, you know, expedition comes in and, you know, Nick Fury, like you were saying, Donald comes in and gives him all the tools he needs to do. So it's not that, he doesn't capitalize it on it as great as it could have been, mm-hmm. but at least it has that that moment. And in my mind, that's when the movie started to get a little bit better. It definitely didn't end great, but that little next little segment was definitely more interesting than some of the rest of it for me. I'll actually disagree with you a little bit on that. I think that builds the bridge that leads to the Eureka moment because I think when he goes to see Pepper, because that is the change in his character to where he's, I'm no longer going to be alienating people. I'm going to be reaching out to them and the life is short and where he's in the office. And he can't, he just... You know, as much as he may be trying to build bridges, he's still Tony Stark, so he screws it up by being himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then he sees the whole structure of the amusement park, uh, the, the the expo, excuse right. me, and he goes, oh, this looks like a thing, which I found a weird storytelling element, but it's based off a comic book, so how much am yeah, I going to yeah, argue? Good point. <laughs> um, but it, it's, it's, you know, I thought that was the big kind of... You know, and I would think we're both in the general ballpark because those scenes fall one right after another type thing. Right. But it's just that that whole change in, you know, you see him doing something different. I mean, it's sad they got strawberries, which pretty much <laughs> would kill Pepper because uh-huh. she's allergic. But you know, so I wonder it, if that came from the comics or if there was something the filmmakers made up. I, I you know, just what? wondering. I, I I could not tell you that <laughs> I don't know that much about Pepper Potts. So. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think the thing about the midpoint is that it definitely doesn't, you know, give the character all the truth. It just puts them on the path towards the truth. Mm-hmm. So, and it'll keep building and building and building until, you know, Act 3 hits. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, you know, it, that's something the movie does do well. You know, he gives him, you know, he starts to see this is how it should be. And then he has that scene, like you said, with Pepper in the office. This is how it needs to be a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And then he, you know, goes into his shop and, you know, says, this is, you know, an element that, you know, my father gave to me. You know, my father actually cared a little bit more about me than I think. Yeah. So the truth starts to grow, and he starts to build upon that. And that, that little segment of the movie, for me, is what actually worked. Again, it's not, it was kind of clunky, mm-hmm. but you know, it solved his, his character's problem. He had to deal with, I'm dying. Yeah. The sad thing was then is that we had another 30 minutes of the movie where it was just no emotions at all. You know, yeah. He, it was like he resolved his character's death-defying instant 30 minutes too soon. Yeah, but the funny thing is, when I see Tony Stark working, mm-hmm. like... I think that's one of the cooler parts of Tony Stark. It's so much because, fun. Because it's not him being cocky, because he talks about how great and how smart he is. You know what's funny at the beginning of the movie? He's like, it's not about me. It's not about me. By the way, welcome to the Stark Expo, <laughs> named, oh, book, after me. Right. And all of these cheerleaders dress up in Iron Man suits. But remember, it's not about him. So it's just kind of like so disingenuous. But when he's working... You know, he's not necessarily not interacting with people, but he's just trying to get stuff done. Yeah. He's like, okay, that's one of the strengths of his character. It is. It's and, huge. And it's it's fantastic, because you go... Because Jarvis tells him, yeah, you can't do this thing. And he's like, <laughs> okay, so that means we're going to do the thing now. Right. And make this element. It's just like... 
I know it's a slow part because you go, we, we want something more. We want something we invest in. But I found but that part okay. really, yeah. really cool where he's putting stuff together and whatnot. It makes so. him endearing because anyone can be a jerk in a way. Yeah. Um, and the reason we watch all these movies is to see you know what we what we couldn't be. And mm-hmm. we couldn't, kind of the same reason we watch Batman. We can't be Batman. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't. I don't know if you could. No, not, <laughs> not by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but we see, you know, we see the, the brilliance of him putting something towards, you know, good use. You know, yeah. using his, his genius for... For you know, for for good, and that's honestly what I loved about Iron Man One, amongst many other things. Mm-hmm. It's the scenes of him building things, like you said, Donald. It's so it's so fun, and it shows shows us a lot about his character. Shows us what he's good at. Shows us that he is um, disciplined and determined what he wants to be. Mm-hmm. And I remember when uh, Iron Man One was first being marketed, um, and I think the tagline in one of the trailers was, "You know, heroes on board aren't are not born; they're built." And that just, you know, totally flew in the face of all other superhero movies at the time, which was, you know, Spider-Man, X-Men, Batman, mm-hmm. a few other minor ones. You just, you know, Batman, you know, of course, you know, has that that element too. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that was such a new thing. They're like, okay, you can actually become a superhero without superpowers outside of Batman. Yeah. And just, and, people weren't used to that. But that's the thing is, some of my favorite superheroes are the ones that can think. Mm-hmm. You know, I look at Spider-Man. The, you know, right. most versions of Spider-Man, he's a scientist. Yeah, he's super you know? smart. Yeah, he is. And, you know, um, Bruce Banner. Yeah. Doctor. You know, um, Doctor obviously. Strange. Yeah, Doctor Strange. Doctor. Very, very, very smart. Um, and, and so it's... And Batman. Mm-hmm. Very, very smart. It's, you know, it's just like he doesn't... He literally doesn't have a superpower. Tony doesn't have a superpower. He's not an Asgardian god. He, right. you know, he or didn't have... Sir, a, he was super soldier. You know, he can't turn into this big green rage monster. Uh, you know, he, he... What he is, he built himself type type situation. I know Spider-Man's a little different, but Batman's the same. Now, they're both rich. Now, that helps <laughs> that... Um, and that helps in a plot device to, right. to cut. So how do you afford all of these things? Well, I'm, I'm rich. <laughs> kind of convenient um, But there. the thing is, you still have to put in the time. You still have to put in the effort. And so that's when, when he sees that. He's like, well, where was this to begin with? Because, and gosh, this is something else I wish they could have gone yeah. on. Is because they said, he said, I've tried all of the elements. Yeah. If we could have opened the movie with him... Just failure after failure. I think that would have been a fantastic setup because you right. go, why is Iron Man sad? Oh, he's going to die. Right. We and t- then you see him kind of push people right. away. Right. And you go, oh, well, that makes sense. But we don't. See, we never see, and that's again, I know we're kind of harping on the same thing over and over again, but I think it's because it's the movie's downfall. We see him as this passive character who just, we don't see him try. We're just so frustrated in the whole first half of the movie. When is something going to happen? When is the story going to start? Because it feels like, at least until we get you know, maybe to the race car scene, possibly after that, it's like, what is going on here? But the thing is, like, we want someone to like in this movie. Please give us someone to like in this movie. No, Black Widow. Oh, I like Black Widow. Okay, that's that's all I'm going to get for right now. Okay, I'm okay with that. That's fine. For a couple minutes. (laughs) Yeah. Coulson. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's just, you know, because Switch's antagonist so quick. At the beginning, we've got, you know, the the Pentagon, Mm -hmm. and then they never really show up. Again, they're talked about. And then, you know, Justin Hammer, and then Ivan Venko, and then they all go around in circles, and, you know, like we said before, never really much of a threat, yeah. ultimately. Yeah. Um, but one, one thing I, I did like, though, even though the the ending was very vanilla, so to speak, mm-hmm. the way they defeated, um, so Tony and Rhodey, how they defeated Venko was, was pretty cool, mm-hmm. because it's, you know, it, for those of you who haven't, you know, seen the movie in a while, they, you know, kind of use their, and I don't know the technical term, but they use their... Super, you know, blast out of their hands. Each the Iron Man suit comes with a hand blaster in the palm, Mm -hmm. you know, and and Tony uses this, you know, when he'll throw up both of his hands, he has it in both. And when they're fighting, when him and Rhodey are fighting, they both shoot each other with the blaster, and it just kind of, it's kind of like when two two beings come together and hit fists and knocks them both back. Well, this is a blaster, and it kind of creates a boom. 
and they decide, hey, you know that thing that made us like not like each other earlier? Yeah. Let's use that to beat this guy. Yeah. <laughs> and that was the thing, one of the few things the movie did well. The thing that they used to try to, you know, maybe not kill each other, but, you know, there was a, this represented the center of their struggle halfway through the movie, mm-hmm. then became the thing they used to defeat the villain. And that was cool. It was symbolic. And that is that is very cool because it, it shows just that their friendship was stronger than their argument. Exactly. So, the movie didn't do everything awful. But no. the, the cons no. definitely outweigh the pros. No, and it's it's not it's not like we've both watched much worse worse movies. Oh, sure. But the thing is, one, we're comparing this to other Marvel movies. And by the way, for those of you who are going, but the first Hulk movie, we're not counting that one. <laughs> so toss that aside. Now you could say some other Marvel movies and we could discuss that, but we're not counting the we first Hulk movie. We still do an episode on that though. Oh. <laughs> I haven't seen it since it came out on DVD, honestly. Can We both have to have ice cream to eat that with because I am not eating that unprepared. I want some kind of niceness bring, to go with that movie. I'll bring some mint chocolate chip. I, okay, we could do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's green. That'll work. <laughs> Be a theme. I see what you did there. Yes. Um, but yeah, like like Donald was saying, it's like, it's like comparing Pixar movies. If one Pixar movie isn't great, it's like, but it was still better than, you know, a lot of other movies. But this is definitely, in our humble opinion... <laughs> near the, the bottom of the, the Marvel franchise, just because I think that for the first half of the movie just did not know what it was doing, mm-hmm. and the second half couldn't recover. Well, essentially, think about the reasons. Like, there's movies, like, I'll watch Guardians of the Galaxy mm-hmm. multiple times. Yeah. You know? And there's some there's some movies on my shelf I have because they're Marvel movies. It's like, what makes me go to watch that movie? Right. Is it just to refresh myself on the world that we're in? Mm-hmm. Um, or is it because I enjoy the movie? And for Iron Man 1, it would be, man, I really enjoyed that movie. Iron Man 3, the same thing. Um, with also the addition of the world building. But Iron Man 2 was just essentially... There was plot stuff in here, so let me go ahead and see the plot stuff. Right, right. And that's when, when I introduced it to, to Kristen, you know, several years ago, just because we just got to get through it to get to the Avengers. Yeah. Um, but, Don, one thing you said just triggered something is that my, my favorite Marvel movie is Captain America, The Winter Soldier. I mm-hmm. absolutely love that movie. Yeah. Um, and in a way, it's kind of similar to Iron Man 2 in the setup in that both characters deal with a character from their past. Mm-hmm. But um, Cap is emotionally connected to this character where Tony is not. Yeah. And I think that's part of where Iron Man 2 falls apart and where Winter Soldier just is brilliant. Yeah. Because he has to deal with all these emotions of someone that he actually, you know, cared about and is integral to, you know, world ending or at least Washington, D.C. ending well, there's, areas. Yeah, well, there's that, that conflict of what, is it going to defeat him or is it going to save him? Right. Cap, Cap wants to save him, but he knows he has to defeat him. It's a moral dilemma. Yeah, and there's that tension throughout the movie and he... He barely knows who Ivan is. They have a, even the conversation. Mm-hmm. There's a conversation they have in the cell where they go back and forth. Yeah. And it's just kind of, it falls really, I mean, there's a line at the very end that's pretty decent, but it just falls flat because, you know, Tony Stark snipes at him and Ivan snipes back, but you're just like, you're just two dudes just sniping at each other, and the movie wants there to be so much more. It's like, no, no, he's the son of this brilliant scientist who worked with Tony's dad. And, you, you know, like, even the even the character doesn't know all of this backstory. Right. And so it's, it just doesn't, it doesn't work type thing. Right. I mean, think about... Um, the uh, the bad guy in uh, Civil War. I mm-hmm. can't remember his name. Zemo. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yes, Baron uh, Baron Zemo. You know, he wasn't exactly an intimidating figure or mm-hmm. anything like that. But think of, you know, the. I mean, you don't see Iron Man and him interact a whole lot. Right. But, I mean, Tony Tony was ticked off, and then he kind of directs that anger towards Bucky, because of what Bucky did. But. Like Tony's like, uh, and there's there's yeah. not that there's an emotional investment because of stuff that Zemo has done, mm-hmm. you know, in connection with his parents, and he just doesn't, you just don't see it. It's it's a, so disjointed. Right. It it tries. It just never it never capitalizes on it. It doesn't it doesn't set that emotional link together. It, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter these two people's you know fathers who knew each other mm-hmm. if then the characters the protagonists the antagonists don't have you know, you know any anything to really fight fight each other for. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I guess Ivan has more emotional connection to Tony than Tony has to Ivan, and that just doesn't work Yeah, when your protagonist doesn't have a connection to his antagonist, mm-hmm. or any of them, really. Yeah. Even even with Justin Hammer, it's seeming he's his rival, but he doesn't care about him. No. 
you know, he always makes fun of it's a joke. Like hammer tech. Yeah. Oh, it failed. Oh. <laughs> right. Which is it's funny in the movie, but it doesn't help it at all. Mm-hmm. So there's there's that. Yeah. It's it's not great. Yeah. Um, well, that's all the notes that I had as far as story structure and, and all that. I know you kind of wanted to say what what would happen. How would well, we fix this? Well, let's 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 talk about this. Let's let's actually fix this movie. To make it a good movie, so let's first identify what uh, what plot we're gonna go with <laughs> first, type thing, and work all of the other elements in. So, I would like to propose that we chose the plot of Tony going to die. Mm-hmm. I think that seems to be the most prevalent. I think this would be the most emotionally connecting to to the character itself. So, I would say we start there, and and like I said, in opening the movie, to go ahead and see. Not only that he is dying, but just the attempts that he has had, and see right. you kind of see that downward struggle and failure um, throughout. I would like to see him still trying to be able to find elements and whatnot. And you go, well, you have to have an antagonist. You have to have a bad guy. Oh, it's sure, a Marvel sure, movie, yeah. And so you have this other genius who comes in in the form of Ivan. Who is also working in the arc reactor and has discovered something, you know, that in connection with Tony's father, and they come to butt heads in the fact of Tony trying to track down his father's research, probably guided there by say Nick Fury, mm-hmm. um, and so they come in conflict because Ivan is trying to get what he can for himself or reclaim his father's old glory because he worked with them. Right. Tony's doing it to try and survive. So their goals meet up, but only one of them can have it. So right. you have that conflict, and then it adds to the conflict of, hey, Tony needs this. So you start to hate Ivan a little bit more because you go, yeah. hey, we don't want Tony to die. <laughs> yeah. You know, don't, don't, don't do this. But then you can develop Ivan's mind so much more instead of just seeing, you know, I can type things into a computer and I can speak of the Russian accent <laughs> right. and, you know, and, and whatnot. Well, and Donald, I think you hit upon something that's, you know, all most good movies have is that, you know, the protagonist and antagonist go for, going for the same objective in a way, mm-hmm. the same goal in the end. Um, you know, maybe not, you know, in the same perspective of it, you know, mm-hmm. you think of Avengers 3, Infinity War, where it's, you know, Thanos... It's more complicated than this, but you know, destroy the world. Tony Stark save the world. Yeah. Um, but they're going towards the same thing. There, it's a funnel. They're they're funneling towards the same thing, and there's going to be damage, probably collateral damage there. Mm-hmm. And I think that you know that that works well. They're both going for for the same the same thing there. And I think even throw more of um, um, kind of pressure on Tony is if you know if we were to, were to rewrite the movie, show him fail more at the beginning, not just of him trying to create the new element or find things. Yeah. But on his missions, you know, we never see him go out and, you know, do the cool things he did in Iron Man 1 as far mm-hmm. as, you know, saving people and all that. Mm-hmm. But seeing him fail, seeing, you know, the, the toxicity in his blood, you know, he, he, he can't do missions anymore. Mm-hmm. And just seeing, you know, he is, he is Iron Man, but Iron Man's failing. Yeah. So something like that to set up, okay, not only am I dying, but I'm letting down people who I said I was going to save. Yeah. And, and that would help to help resolve the I push people away. Because what Tony will do... And you see this in other movies, so it's not that far off from this character, mm-hmm. is he will isolate himself in his lab. He'll throw himself into his work. Right. He literally does that in Iron Man 3 mm-hmm. and just keeps building suit after suit after suit after suit. And so it would be the same in this. It would be similar in this movie to where he isolates himself. He doesn't tell people what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um and maybe if you want to get like the Senate involved and just if you have to throw in those elements, right. you say we, we we've hired these people, we have to pay them. <laughs> um, you know, in one of his missions, going after this thing where he encounters Ivan, you know, you, they 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 bump heads, and then the Defense Department calls the Department of Defense calls him in and goes, um, what's the deal? Right. You know what's what's going you on? Just lost a submission and like it, half our battalion died or yeah, whatever. Yeah, exactly. And so there's then there's that added pressure and added conflict. So it's kind of like enemies all around, but it's all blocking Tony from going ahead and recovering what he needs to instead of like mm-hmm. yeah, it's annoying that, you know, the the Senate calls him in for this hearing and whatnot. But it doesn't do anything to produce any kind of con. It produces great scene. I actually <laughs> liked him in that scene. Right. Um, but it doesn't do anything to 
promote the conflict of the movie. It doesn't push the plot forward. Yeah, exactly. And they could say, you know what, you need to have this in like 48 hours mm-hmm. or it's going over. And he's like, so, or, or we're turning we're it over. It away, yeah. Exactly. So then it's at the time limit. So then you can kind of ramp up the pressure right. of you need to do this right. type thing. And you could still put Rhodey as the spokesperson for that. To exactly. Him, you know, yeah. you know, against to, Tony. To which it forces him to say, okay, Rhodes, here's what's going on. Right. And so he has to rely on other people. He realizes he can't do it by himself mm-hmm. type thing. So you see, again, all of these elements are present in this movie. They're just all jumbled about and they make a really murky picture. And, you know, if they would have just come to the two of us, we could have written a much better movie, um, obviously, um, than... You know, <laughs> Although we have 10 years of hindsight now to look back. Yeah, 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 details. <laughs> but another thing they could have done as well is... You know, even taking, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, Nick Fury and Coulson and, and Black Widow and put uh-huh. them in there as, like, people who they can maybe approach Tony from another perspective and, you know, him and his arrogance and pride shuts them down completely. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's how he disqualifies himself from, you know, the Avengers by, you know, saying, well, you didn't trust well, us. Well, actually, I would like to see more of Natasha in the battlefield to where she keeps showing up at these different conflicts mm-hmm. that he's going to, but you don't know what her objective is. Right, keep her and, a serious character. And, yeah, and people would know who are like, that's Black Widow. Well, sure, But yeah. what is she, we don't know what she's doing, and we don't know what she's doing in this movie either, but it's a lot more played, it's, it's a lot more tuned down and right. than it would be in this, because there's like, okay, there's a third player in here that we're really interested in mm. type thing, and that can help to bring Nick and, and Coulson in as well. And so it just right. adds that kind of mystery element to, to the conflict you already have. Basically have her do what she does in The Winter Soldier, except we don't know who she is. Exactly. Exactly. Because this was the first movie she was introduced to. Right. You just see there's this redhead that's going in, in all of these fights, and she mm-hmm. knows how to fight, and it's just amazing. Yeah. But then she, she you know, what she either frustrates Tony's plan or... Or, or whatnot, and all of a sudden she's she's gone, and her and Tony butt heads a little bit, uh, type thing, um, you know, just yeah. because that's who Tony is, right? So yeah, well there you go. You've got you know if, if this podcast is recovered in a hundred years, and you're looking to remake a Marvel movie, here's a a basic plot you could just try a, with. Just a thought. Maybe watch the original first before you go ahead and, and implement this. And, so. Yeah. Uh, but but again, you know, it's it's definitely commendable how how far Marvel has gone. Twenty movies, and you know, one one or two bad movies, so to speak, is not a bad, you know, record or percentage over the course of, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy and Avengers, and you know, well, here's here's the, here's the problem is, well, it's a good problem to have when you set the bar so high, right? That when it when a movie doesn't hit that bar, you know, by average state by normal standards, it still be a pretty decent movie. Right. And you people look at it and go, uh, because they compare it to all of your other great movies type thing. It's like the, what you had said about the Pixar movie. Yeah, it's, it's like, like is it is it uh, Toy Story two or three? Yeah, it's like, well, Good Dinosaur was no Toy Story. And it's <laughs> like you're right, it, it wasn't. wasn't. <laughs> you know, but I mean, you have to have a Toy Story first, right? Type right. Thing. Toy Story is what makes them, them able to make other movies and yeah. an experiment in a way. And you know, Iron Man one is what what them allowed them to make other movies, including Iron Man two, unfortunately. But it also allowed them to you know do Avengers and all those other movies that, that we love. So you have to have, in a way, you have to have some misses here and there in order to keep taking storytelling risks in order to capitalize on the ones that end up being good yeah i just wish the dc wouldn't have been such a rush and would have started a lot earlier in their building of their universe instead of try to cram it the way they have because i like that universe as well not as much as the marvel one Mm -hmm. but i I always enjoy batman and superman and you know the funny thing is you know when you compare that and i know this is not iron man too (laughs) but we're talking about plot uh we're talking about world development Mm -hmm. as it pertains to a story you know when they did the cartoons Mm -hmm. um you know you started with batman the animated series and then they added superman and superman had his own series and superman you know had other people who would come in and, and visit and then they did the justice league where it was just the core five and then they did Justice League Unlimited, <laughs> where they expanded it to all of these other heroes. And then you had Batman Beyond. And so they started small, just like Marvel did with their movies, and then expanded. And you go, 
that's the DC universe that I super enjoy right. and not what you guys are doing Because these now. characters have earned the right to be in these movies. Yeah. Whereas I haven't seen Justice League yet, the, the new movie, but, you know, like Batman vs. Superman, it's a, the subtitle could have been, instead of Dawn of Justice, it could have been, let's play catch up. Yeah. And, you know, and I don't think some of those characters earned the right to be in the movie. You know, it, mm-hmm. it should have focused on Batman and Superman's struggle in that had the, the seeds of being a fantastic struggle, but it was just so muddled and murky. I think I've seen it three times now, just trying to figure out what is going on in the, in the course of that. And you can tell they're just trying to introduce all these characters. Yeah. And, you know, figure out whose relationship to who and why and where the conflicts are. And they haven't earned the right to do that yet. You know, one of my favorite scenes anytime there's a Batman versus Superman, because they'll do, like, different Batman cartoons and Superman mm-hmm. cartoons where you start out with Batman just starting off. Um, and to where it's that they get to know who's each other's secret identity, how they yeah, find out yeah. about that. That's always really, really cool. Yeah. Um, and it just, in the movie, it was just like, yeah, yeah. type thing. Yeah. So. But that's a conversation for another time. That's true. <laughs> fair time. Fair enough. Well, I think that covers um, Iron Man 2, unless there's anything else you can think of, Donald. Uh, we haven't really hammered into the no, ground. No, I mean, if you were to ask me to, if you were to ask me to rank it, um, you know, if how would we, you rank it? I mean, um, formal question now. <laughs> for, formal, formal question. Um, I guess what what would you use for a scale is, you know, put your phone down, watch it with friends, watch it alone, put it as background noise, <laughs> burn it. I would put it as background noise. Fair enough. So yeah, one of the movies you, if you're gonna watch one order, don't skip it because you introduces the cinematic universe. Yeah, but one and done is enough, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want to watch an Iron Man movie, I watch one or one or three, one or three, yeah. or any of the other multitude of movies that Tony Stark is in. This is true. This is also nine true. almost at this point. I think. I think nine once the fourth Avengers comes out. Yeah, not counting his cameo in Incredible Hulk. Yeah, it's, I, I, yes, because that was an after movie scene. Right. Yeah, yeah. that doesn't count. So anyway, thank you all again for listening to this episode of the Seeking Stories podcast. It was uh, great to have uh, Donald with me on this episode. And Thanks. If you liked this, uh, feel free to go to the SeekingStories.com website and let us know if we should do uh, another Marvel movie podcast and which one, not Incredible Hulk. Um, but again, uh, Seeking Stories, the purpose is to help uh, writers and storytellers and um, filmmakers learn how to tell epic stories of excellence by examining um, other stories and seeing what they do well or in this case don't do well for the most part so thanks again for listening last time i said thanks again for watching so i apologize for that um, but thanks again uh, for listening and we'll hope you tune in next time <laughs>